well-regulated militia be necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I am so glad you joined the program today. You know, it's it's never too early to talk about gun control in the elections, is it? I don't think so. I mean, we've got elections coming up in Virginia here in just a couple of weeks, so we'll probably be talking uh, quite a bit, actually, about the uh, Virginia races. But, you know, it's... I mean, look, there's already a lot of talk about uh, what's going to be happening next year in the midterm elections, uh, including at the state level. One of the areas where uh, Democrats, I, I think, uh, are deluding themselves, but uh, we'll get into that as to why. One of the areas where uh, Democrats think they can actually make some gains next year, the state of Texas. I know. I know. But they've got a secret weapon. That's right. We've got Beto O'Rourke. <laughs> yep. This from the uh, New York Times. Beto O'Rourke draws closer to entering the uh, Texas governor's race. He's been calling Democratic leaders in Texas to tell them he's seriously considering challenging Governor Greg Abbott in 2022. Yeah. I, 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 I don't see it. I mean, I don't, I don't see it. I, I just, I mean, Beto ran for the Senate in 2018 against Ted Cruz. Uh, this was a statewide election, just like the race for governor would be a statewide election. And Beto O'Rourke came up three points shy of uh, defeating Ted Cruz. I mean, I mean, look, it was relatively close, 51-48. So I can understand why uh, Beto might want to give it another go here in uh, Texas, this time challenging Greg Abbott. I, I, I just don't see it being a uh, successful challenge here. David Weissong, longtime advisor to Robert Francis Beto O'Rourke, cautioning that, uh, quote, no decision has been made in a run for governor. Uh huh. New York Times notes that uh, no Democrat has been elected governor of Texas since Ann Richards in 1990, and no prominent Democrat has emerged to take on Mr. Abbott next year. Greg Abbott's looking at a war chest of $55 million, and uh, the Times says he has appeared more concerned with insulating himself from challengers on his right in a Republican primary than worrying about the general election. However, uh, there are a, a couple of issues that I think uh, have Democrats, I don't want to say confident, but intrigued about the possibility of uh, winning the gubernatorial race in Texas last year, next year. Uh, one of them is the abortion law that was signed by Governor Greg Abbott, uh, a law that apparently will be challenged in court now because uh, an attorney in Arkansas has filed uh, a lawsuit against the Texas abortion doctor who wrote an op-ed saying, hey, I've performed an abortion since the uh, new law went into effect. That law has, uh, I, I think, energized a lot of Democrats, as has the constitutional carry law. I think the abortion law is going to have more of an impact on the uh, Democratic race than uh, constitutional carry. But, you know, obviously, look, Beto O'Rourke, I mean, he's Mr. Gun Control, right? As the New York Times pointed out during his failed presidential run, Mr. O'Rourke took positions including a hard line on confiscating, quote-unquote, assault weapons that could make him vulnerable in any new campaign in Texas. Hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15, your AK-47, Mr. O'Rourke said during a Democratic debate in Houston in 2019 referring to, quote, military-style rifles that have been used in mass shootings. David Carney, campaign advisor to Greg Abbott, longtime Republican political consultant, says O'Rourke's been planning to run since he got crushed in his presidential flop. He is a target-rich environment with positions way, way out of the mainstream. And, and I agree with that. Um, but according to polling in Texas... Constitutional carry is not all that popular right now either. About 50% of uh, voters in a new Dallas Morning News, University of Texas Tyler poll shows uh, that they're opposed to constitutional carry. I think that number is going to fade, by the way. I really do. 
uh, as uh, time goes on, because the media and Democratic politicians did their best to scare the bejeebers uh, out of Texans uh, regarding constitutional care. I remember when we spoke uh, the day that constitutional carry took effect with Mike Cargill from Central Texas Gunworks. I mean, he laughed. He's like, oh, yeah, the, the fear mongering has been outrageous. Uh, and here we are three weeks in to constitutional carry. The sky has not fallen in the state of Texas. It has not turned into anarchy. It has not turned into some sort of dystopian future. As gun owners said, you know, look, it, it's going to just be another day. Most people aren't even going to notice the difference. And that has been the case. So I do suspect that constitutional carry is going to fade as an issue for Democrats, particularly if they run a guy like Beto O'Rourke. Because if the choice is between, look, we believe that legal gun owners should be able to lawfully carry their firearm without a government permission slip. And look, we believe that the government should start confiscating legally owned firearms. I, I've got to think that in Texas, voters are going to err on the side of too much freedom, right? If the choice is, well, I don't know, that's a little too much freedom for me. And I don't know about that gun confiscation. That seems like a lot of a lack of freedom. I think that Texans are going to go with more freedom rather than less. I think they're going to go with full recognition of the right to keep and bear arms rather than wholesale gun confiscations. But I got to tell you, gun owners should not get too cocky about this because a new poll, that Dallas Morning News poll that I referenced, shows Beto O'Rourke trailing Governor Abbott in a hypothetical head-to-head by five points. So he doesn't even get as close as he got against uh, Beto, uh, against uh, Ted Cruz. But there's another candidate out there who, according to the Dallas Morning News, is in fact leading in a head-to-head poll against Greg Abbott. Matthew McConaughey. Yep. And he would be not all right, all right, all right for uh, gun owners in Texas. Uh, according to the uh, Houston Chronicle, most recent poll from the Dallas Morning News, University of Texas at Tyler, a still undecided Matthew McConaughey polling better against Governor Greg Abbott than O'Rourke. McConaughey gets 44% of respondents uh, over Abbott compared to 35% who say that they would vote for Abbott. So that's an 11-point lead. Now, look, Matthew McConaughey is not a declared candidate. Matthew McConaughey is a celebrity. So there might be a lot of people who say, yeah, I'm, oh, I, I loved him in uh, Days of Confused or... Uh, Daisy Confused is my favorite Matthew McConaughey movie. Anyway, um, I think if Matthew McConaughey actually decided, hey, you know what? I'm throwing my hat in the ring. All of a sudden, now he's being treated like a candidate as opposed to being treated like a celebrity who is perhaps flirting with a political career. And I think the coverage of Matthew McConaughey would become a lot different. I think that uh, Republicans would start reminding uh, gun owners of Matthew McConaughey's position. This is Matthew McConaughey three years ago, 2018. Matthew McConaughey says both sides have, quote, got to talk about gun violence. But you see the picture there, Matthew McConaughey, where he's standing. He's standing at a March for Our Lives rally in Austin, Texas, where he uh, touted his support for all kinds of gun control legislation. Uh, he continued talking about his support for certain gun control laws. Uh, in this interview, he says, I got a lot of friends who are gun owners. Got a lot of friends who are NRA. I grew up hunting. We had responsible gun ownership, but I was taught the right way to respect that tool. At the same time, he says, their petition that they were speaking about, meaning the uh, March for Our Lives folks, is a very good one. 
And I also fear that their campaign, they've got to watch that they don't get hijacked. I mean, and a lot of the crowd was for no guns at all. That was now the March for Life. March for Our Lives was for rightful, just, responsible gun ownership, but against assault rifles, against unlimited magazines, and for following up on the regulations. Actually, that's not what March for Our Lives is for. I mean, yeah, they are for banning modern sporting rifles, the most commonly sold rifle in America today. They are for banning, quote-unquote, large-capacity magazines, whatever you want to define that as. Some gun control advocates would define large-capacity magazines as, say, anything over 20 rounds. Some might say, no, 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 it's anything over 15 rounds. Some might say, no, 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 it's anything over 10 rounds. Others would say, no, it's uh, anything over seven rounds. Because we've got magazine bans in various states around the country, and and that's how they define, quote-unquote, large-capacity magazines. But they go beyond simply wanting to ban the possession of some of the most commonly owned arms in America today. As bad as that is, that's still not enough for them. Because March for Our Lives actually wants to decrease the number of gun owners in this country. They want to impose regulations that will lead to some Americans being dis, uh, uh, you know, having their rights taken away from them or at least being disincentivized and perhaps even disenfranchised from exercising their rights. We have too many guns in this country. That's according to March for Our Lives. And we need to have fewer gun owners. We need to have fewer firearms in this country. So when Matthew McConaughey says, well, you know, some of these people, they just, I think they just wanted to hijack that rally because they're just not in favor of any guns. Yeah, I don't think March for Our Lives is actually in favor of any guns either. Uh, at, at least according to their stated goals, they again want to see a massive reduction in the number of guns in this country. Remember, right now, we've got 100 million gun owners, about 400 million privately owned firearms. We've got the constitutional right to keep and bear them. And March for Our Lives doesn't like any of those things. They don't like the number of gun owners. They don't like the number of guns. They certainly don't like the fact that we have a right to keep and bear them. Now, is Matthew McConaughey Beto O'Rourke? Well, I mean, he didn't say, hell yes, we're coming for your guns. But he did say he thinks they should be illegal. And if he wants regulations enforced, how would he enforce the gun ban that he wants? Uh, again, I, I think the gun owners in Texas sh should be looking at McConaughey seriously. I don't know if he's going to decide to get into the race or not. I mean, he might just be enjoying the attention. And it's unclear, uh, according to the press in Texas, whether McConaughey would run as a Democrat or as a Republican, or maybe even as an independent. I suspect that if McConaughey gets in, he's going to get in as a Democrat. He's going to get in as a, you know, common sense, moderate Democrat, but uh, that, that's how he would try to portray himself. But I suspect he's going to get in as a Democrat. Uh, you could run as an independent in Texas, but at that point, I think, you know, McConaughey would probably be playing the spoiler. Uh, and I don't see McConaughey challenging Greg Abbott in a Republican primary. I just don't see that working out well for McConaughey. So if McConaughey decides that he's going to run, I, I, I think the most likely possibility is that he runs as a Democrat. And I think if Matthew McConaughey ran in the Texas Democratic primary, he would clean Beto O'Rourke's clock. I mean, it wouldn't even be close. And as satisfying as that might be, to watch uh, Robert Francis Beto O'Rourke once again do a political pratfall and end up flat on his face, I think McConaughey would be a much more dangerous candidate for gun owners 
uh, if in fact he does decide to get in the race. So just keep your eye on that. You know, we've still probably got a couple of months, I think, before uh, Matthew McConaughey would uh, have to make a decision. Although if Beto throws his uh, hat into the ring this week or in the next uh, a week or so, then uh, McConaughey might feel a little bit of heat to uh, to make up his mind one way or the other as to what he's going to do. Uh, I, I I would imagine that Matthew McConaughey would probably not independently finance his entire campaign. I mean, Lord knows he's got some scratch, but he'd probably be able to reach out to his network of anti-gun celebrities. And uh, in order to do that, you know, you, you got to put the the team in place, right? You got to have the the infrastructure. Even if you're running as an independent, you need that infrastructure in place. So time is getting a little short for Matthew McConaughey to make up his mind. We're about, what, 14 months, less than 14 months. 13 and a half months away from Election Day next year. Uh, yeah, at some point in the near future, McConaughey is going to have to decide if he's uh, going to make it official or if he's going to bypass and to leave the Democratic field to Robert Francis Beto O'Rourke. And we will, uh, again, be keeping our eyes on that. But uh, Matthew McConaughey, the idea of him into some sort of, you know, pro-gun moderate Democrat. No, doesn't fly. Not not with me. Not unless he is willing to uh, publicly repudiate his own position just a couple of years ago that we need to, again, ban and criminalize the possession of some of the most commonly owned firearms, not only in the state of Texas, but across the United States. All right, let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day and our recidivist report. Start there from North Carolina. I, I you know, again... North Carolina Democrats and anti-gun advocates uh, recently decided to keep a law in place that dates back to the Jim Crow era that was designed specifically to prevent uh, disfavored individuals, shall we say, from exercising the right to keep arms. And of course, at the time of uh, Jim Crow, those disfavored individuals were largely uh, black Americans, right? So they got to keep that law in place because it's it's a it's a good gun safety law. It prevents criminals from getting a hold of firearms. Meanwhile, North Carolina getting ready, perhaps for the most violent year in its history in terms of the homicide rate. So I don't think you can really say that the uh, state's pistol purchase permit law is actually preventing violent crime because it sure doesn't seem to be working that way. But while the state is keeping that racist gun control law in place, it is failing to keep track of thousands of North Carolinian convicts who are on probation and parole. Records show more than 11,000 convicts on probation and parole are missing. They don't know, they, don't, they just don't know where they are. Yeah, they're supposed to be keeping track of them. They don't know. WCNC in Charlotte says the man the police say randomly attacked a woman in Charlotte, murdered another, and killed a man in Greensboro earlier this month was under the supervision of the North Carolina Community Corrections Department at the time, but records show the state had lost track of him just days after his release from prison. Yeah. Malik Moore, one of more than 11,000 convicts out on probation and parole in the state of North Carolina who have avoided their court-ordered oversight as of early September. Mothers of Murdered Offspring Coordinator Mark Raley says the state needs to be held accountable. Not only the blood of the victim is on the person who did it, the suspect, it's on the state as well. Malik Moore accused of a broad daylight attack on September 5th, the random murder of a uh, Hurricane Ida evacuee named Gabrielle Alnut on September the 6th, and then the murder of uh, 21-year-old Christian Mbimba on September the 3rd. State records show that Malik Moore was released 
to parole on August the 20th after serving several years for breaking and entering. The North Carolina Department of Public Safety confirmed that he was listed as an absconder just five days later. Community Corrections spokesperson Greg Thomas says the uh, North Carolina Post-Release Supervision and Parole Commission issued a warrant for Malik Moore on that date. Great. Great. So he issued a warrant. And again, if law enforcement runs across Malik Moore, they'll, they'll, they'll figure out, uh, all right, well, he's you know, absconded. But that's not happening with these 11,000 people. Again, not until a crime is committed or perhaps police make a traffic stop, but in, unless there is a some random encounter between law enforcement and the individuals that are supposed to be being supervised by the state of North Carolina, these guys are getting away. More than 500 individuals who are on probation or parole for assaulting women, a small group convicted of child abuse, kidnapping, rape, and murder. I mean, this is ridiculous. And again, the state of North Carolina, excuse me, the Democrats, uh, a Democrat like Roy Cooper, uh, there in the governor's mansion, the Democrats in the state legislature, and anti-gun activists doing everything they can to try to put more red tape and barriers between law-abiding citizens and their constitutional rights while they are failing in their duty to keep track of violent felons who have been released on parole. So we talk about the recidivist report. Malik Moore is certainly uh, an example of this. But unfortunately, there are thousands, literally thousands of other cases in North Carolina that we could, perhaps should be talking about as well. Uh, today's Armed Citizen story. From the Cleveland suburb of North Olmsted, Ohio, where a 69-year-old woman was forced to defend herself and her husband from an intruder on Sunday evening. This uh, 69-year-old woman, uh, you can see uh, just a portion of the 911 call here. The 911 operator saying, uh, you heard the gun inside the residence? And the homeowner said, no, I shot the gun. She and her husband were uh, at home Sunday night. This 21-year-old woman shows up breaks into their home, begins assaulting the 69-year-old's husband, and that's when the 69-year-old woman grabbed their handgun and fired a shot, ultimately uh, shooting and killing the intruder. Now, police say that this is a clear-cut case of self-defense. They say, by the way, the state's new stand-your-ground law doesn't really apply here because this was inside the home, so this is more covered under Castle Doctrine, but they're not facing any charges. They're still not sure how this 21-year-old picked this home to try to break into. The uh, couple that say they've got no connection to her. They, they didn't recognize her. Uh, neighbors say that they've never seen her before either. So there are still some unanswered questions here, but uh, we do know that this was a, a justifiable homicide. And thankfully, this woman was able to get a hold of her firearm, not only again to protect herself, but to protect her husband as well. Finally today, our good deed of the day from Alton, Iowa. We're a, a good Samaritan in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing to save a woman from a uh, severe car crash. I mean, you can see the front end of that vehicle. This was uh, last Thursday night, uh, about uh, 5.20 in the afternoon. There was a guy driving a semi that was pulling a cattle trailer. He slowed down to make a turn when uh, 37-year-old Kayleen Stallman hit the trailer from behind. Stallman's minivan then caught fire with her trapped inside. A uh, passerby saw what was going on, 
pulled over himself, got out of his car, ran over, was able to free her from that burning minivan. She was uh, taken to a local hospital and ultimately uh, flown to a hospital in Sioux City for further treatment. Uh, Sheriff's Office cited Stallman for following too close, as well as operating a motor vehicle with a suspended driver's license. But uh, again, that motorist saving her life uh, after that uh, crash. So uh, again, I wish we knew the name of that uh, Good Samaritan, but I guess he just wanted to keep going and get on his way. So whoever you are, anonymous stranger, we thank you very much for your good deed. That is going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. We thank you for being a part of the program. As always, we will be back with you tomorrow with more of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. But you can also check out BearingArms.com throughout the day and get caught up on all of your favorite Second Amendment stories. Uh, if you like what you see, make sure you become a subscriber to Bearing Arms. Just go to BearingArms.com slash subscribe. You can use the promo code GUNS. You can get 25% off of your VIP membership. Uh, in return, you're going to get exclusive analysis commentary and more. We've got a story about uh, the mayor of Cleveland, Ohio, and the uh, sad end to his troubled grandson's life, as well as the allegations that the mayor tried to cover up some of his grandson's crimes. That'll be a VIP piece today on uh, BarryAndArms.com. And again, we'll see you back here tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free. 